are glad that you joined us today. God wants to do so much for you and through you, and we want to hear about it. If you've been impacted by Fuel Church, share your story with us by emailing mystory at thefuelchurch.com. And to learn more about our worship experiences, visit our website at www.thefuelchurch.com. Thanks again for joining us. We hope you enjoyed today's message. All right. Are you ready for the word today? I said, are you ready for the word today? All right. I came ready to give it. Are you enjoying our series, Friend of Sinners? All right, if you've missed any messages, you can get caught up. Don't worry about it. We got you. Get caught up on the podcast. Go to the website, download the app, and you can get caught up in this series. I believe this series is fitting for where our church is going and all that God has done so far as well. And I'm so excited to uh, dive into part three next Sunday. Someone say next Sunday. I'll conclude our series in part four on Palm Sunday of Friend of Sinners. And so then I got a very special message I've been working on for Easter Sunday. And so I'm excited about that. But let's get into our series here, part three, Jesus, Friend of Sinners. Now, this was a nickname that the religious uh, sect gave Jesus during those days. The religious leaders, the church leaders, they, they, the ones who said that God's law is what drives us, yet we see a constant contact Um, a a constant attack, rather, on Jesus and who he was. Now, there are many nicknames they gave him, but this one stands out. This one stands out. This is one we see throughout all the Gospels. And you you have to ask the question is, why such accusations? Like, Like, why did they keep calling him Jesus, friend of sinners? Was it because he put a priority on relationship and not religion, um, acceptance rather than performance, um, and he valued friendship over behavior, and they didn't? What, why? Why are you giving Jesus this nickname, friend of sinners? And we've seen in our time together in our series, basically, what they were saying is, hey, Jesus, hey, JC, we, we don't like who you're associating with. We don't like the people that you're hanging with. We don't like the dinner parties you're going to. We don't like the people you're conversating with. They they are the the outcast of society. They are the broken. They are the hurting. They are the misfits. They are the lost people of our society. I mean, who would really allow a prostitute to break open a jar of oil that she had been saving for a long time, poured on the feet of Jesus in a form of worship at a dinner party? Like, who would allow that? Like, who would sit down and have a conversation with the lady whose marriages and relationships have been broken and destroyed and who was searching for love in all the wrong places, the song says? Who would sit down with her Five husbands, six husbands, shacking up with another. I mean, the list goes on. And who would pour the oil of healing over her broken heart and watch it mend in a very moment with just one conversation? I mean, who, who would, who, who would go, show up at the parties where everybody was getting wasted or as the young people say, lit, and just show up? 
and have conversations with people and talk to them about their problems. And, and, you know, while they're pouring the shots of Bacardi, he's like, no, I'm good. (laughs) Pass it on to the next. Jesus did that. Who, who would meet with people of that society that were compared to the mafia of our days? This was Jesus, friend of sinners. This is who he hung with. This is who he was around. I mean, he had a, he had a dream team of 12 guys. And one of the guys he picked was Peter. His name was Peter. And Peter was a little rough guy, you know, rough character. And Peter had that shirt, I love Jesus, but I still cuss a little. Some of you got that in your closet. Um, Peter was the one who was kind of just, you know, had what we call a little bit of an anger problem. <laughs> like he was snap. Like, like y'all ever seen road rage? Y'all ever been to the East coast and seen road rage? People die daily because they get cut off in road rage. That was Peter. He used his knife often, right? Just hurting people because he got angry. And Jesus said, yeah, I want you, hey, Pete, I want you on my team. I draft you on my dream team. This is Jesus, friend of sinners. I love this because Jesus gives his own mission statement on why he came. Check this out, Luke 19, 10. He says, I, the son of man, I, the son of man. And if you're Jesus, you can speak in third person, but you ain't Jesus. So quit speaking in third person on Facebook. It's just weird. It's awkward. Like, I'm the best mom ever. Um, okay, we got gotcha. you. But Jesus, he's like speaking to third. I, the son of man, have come to seek and to save those who are lost. This is my mission. This, this is why I came. And this is really good news for us. This is really super duper good news for us. Because at some point in our lives, you may find yourself there now or Maybe in the future, you're going to find yourself at a moment, at a crossroads where you're broken, you're hurting, and you're lost. You're you're going to find yourself there where your relationships are a mess and your mind is just scattered all over the place. and, 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 And the truth is, all of us in here have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. So this is good news that his mission was for you and I. Not just our BC days, but our after Christ days. See, a lot of people, oh, you know, I needed grace and mercy, you know, uh, in my BC days. But what about after you come to Christ and you're still stumbling and falling? You're going to need his grace and mercy. Well, I just thought I was perfect then. (laughs) That's a funny thing, isn't it? It's a funny thing. You're going to need it. You're going to need it. And so this is good news for you and I. And Jesus was saying, hey, this is what I came for. I came for you, and if you and I are called and we are commissioned in the word of God to be the expression of God's love here on earth, then we too should find ourselves personally and as a church body pursuing to be a friend of sinners. We should find ourselves that. And I know what you're saying, like, like Jacob, I hear all this, but does that mean I go back to my old hangout places and I go back to my old friends and uh, I'm in places that, you know, I'm tented at? No. That's why I got this message today for you. Are you ready for it? I want to talk to you how you can be a friend of sinners without compromising your values, without lowering your convictions. You can be a friend of sinners because that's what Jesus did. That's what Jesus did. And so we're, we're, we're going to talk about that today and 
I love our church because it's reaching people far from God. I really do. I believe, I don't see any other example of why the church exists in the Gospels. Jesus gave his great commission. It's known as the great commission in the Bible. And these were the last words he gave us. And he gave it to his disciples. And he said, listen, I need you to go out into your world and give people the good news of the gospel. Someone say good news. It's good news, not bad news. It's good news. It's good news that that we are a sinner, but a savior came to take care of our sins. That's real good news. That we don't have to go to a Christless eternity. That's real good news. That we can get free from our hurts, hangups, and habits in life. That's real good news. That's real good news. So, so, so we, we're reaching people for Christ, and, and, and I'm excited about that because I believe our church is a church that's a friend of sinners. I believe people who don't have that church background that maybe you have and maybe they've never been a part of this or maybe they've been hurt in church. I believe they feel welcome here. And I love that about this place. I love that, 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 that people come and they, they don't feel judged. They don't, they don't, they're not looked down upon. And I also believe that in this place in each and every one of us, there's a deep desire to make a difference in someone's life, to make a difference in someone's life. You see, you were created for more than just going to your job, clocking in, clocking out. You were created more for more. There's an eternal difference inside of you that wants to be made in the life of someone else. And that's what I really want to talk about today. I want to talk about that because all of us know people who are far from God. All of us know people that are candidates for a life change. All of us know people who are, who are struggling. All of us know people who are down. All of us know people that need to encounter the love of Christ. We all know. How many in here know somebody in your life, in your influence, that's far from God right now? You, you work with them. You maybe live with them. They're in your family. Raise your hand. Raise your hand. I think every hand is up. Every hand is up. So the question is, how do we become that friend of sinners? How, how do we become it? And, and, and I love this because Paul talks about this in Colossians chapter 4, verse 6. He says this, let your conversation, someone say conversation. conversation. Notice it's a conversation. Let your conversation be what? Come on, read it, church. Be what? Always full of grace and what? Why? So that you may what? I love this. Let your conversation. We have majored on evangelism tactics in the church that aren't supposed to be majored on. And we've done a real good job on pointing our finger at people, but we've done a real horrible job at having conversations. Are you hearing me today? We've done a real bad job. Like, like we can get a sign that says turn or burn and go on the street corner. And we can get a track that says you're going to burn in hell if you're a fornicator, if you're a drunkard, if you're an adulterer. And we can hand those out. And we've done a real good job pointing at people. But we've run, done a real bad job at conversating with them. 
See, see, I firmly believe this, this end time harvest, this end time revival. And by the way, in case you didn't know, I know all the people posting about this revival, that revival. Your church has been in revival for two and a half years. Revival is not about an evangelist coming in. It's not about a tent. It's not about something. It's, it's about the people of God. And when God shows up and turns hearts and changes lives and people are saved and people are baptized and the church is being added to David, that's revival. We've been in revival, folks. We've been in it. So, so we've done a real good job pointing. We've done a real horrible job conversating with people. And here's what I firmly believe. Life change happens best in the context of relationships. Now, there are exceptions to the rules. But there have been some real bad methods of evangelism that some of you grew up seeing, that some of you see now in our days. There have been some real bad representations of people in your work who walk around acting self-righteous and putting down others who don't live the life that they live. There have been some real bad examples of people on street corners, right? Drink a Coke and you'll choke, right? Turn or burn, brother, right? And can I just tell you, because I know I am a sinner, when I sin, I know I sin. Do you? Oh, you don't know? You do. I don't need somebody screaming at me, telling me I'm going to burn in hell where the fire is not quenched and the worm dieth not, bless God. <laughs> right? I need, I need a conversation. And I need that conversation to be always full of grace. I know when I mess up. I know I'm a sinner. Give me some hope. Throw me the rope of hope. I'm going to get a shirt made that says neighborhood hope dealer. <laughs> I'm going to get it. I'm going to do it. You know 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 I'm going to do it. You got one. (laughs) Always full of grace. And by the way, Paul's saying to the church at Colossians, hey guys, and here's how we know he's talking to the unchurch and and, and those far from God. Because in verse 5 he says, be wise in the way you act towards outsiders. Make the most of every opportunity. So here he is talking to the church. Someone say the church. Paul's talking to the church about outsiders. And he said, hey, be wise in the way you act towards outsiders. Be wise. Make the most of every opportunity. It may be your only opportunity to shine the light of Christ in that individual's life. Be wise about it. And then he goes on in verse six, let your conversation. Notice it, say, notice it doesn't say let your anger. I don't see that. Let your judgmental spirit. No, let your conversation be always full of grace. And by the way, guys, church at Colossians, church at Fuel, season it with a little salt. Come on now. I like my baked potato with salt and butter, baby. Maybe a little cheese on the side, but not broccoli. <laughs> For all y'all who put broccoli on it, that's just weird. Anyway, moving right along because we're getting hungry. It's lunchtime. We've got to beat the Baptist to the buffet. We love the Baptist. We just prayed for him. Season with salt so that you may know how to answer everyone. So to, what does that mean? That I, I, I'm a little nervous. Like, like what do I do? What what do I say? Like, when I have the conversation, what, what does that look like? And, and, and I understand we get nervous 
we, we don't know what to say, and, and it can be challenging at times, like, like, I'm a follower of Christ, but I just don't know how to talk to others about it, and, and I've been there, and I think we all can get hesitant in sharing our faith, um, and here's a few reasons in my life why I've been hesitant. Number one, I found myself afraid, and we can be afraid, right? We're afraid, like, what if they ask me a question, and I don't know the answer to it? Like, I know, like, the Bible says Jesus wept, and that's about it. That's the shortest verse in the Bible, by the way. Jesus wept. You just learned the scripture. Come on now. Don't be afraid. But what if they ask me a theological question, and I don't know? And so, so we're hesitant, so we oftentimes don't have a conversation with someone who's far from God because we're afraid. Second reason, we don't feel qualified. Let's just be honest. We don't feel qualified. Like, like my life is still a mess. Like, I came to Christ, I go to church, but I'm still a mess. I don't feel qualified to share God's love and grace with anybody else. Huh? Is this okay today? You guys all right? You guys like the new lights? You cool? Club fuel up in the house. Third reason is we don't want to be pushy. We don't, we've, we've had that pushy person. Come on. You work with that pushy person. Always trying to cram Jesus down somebody's throat. Right? You work with that pushy person. Well, did you go to church? Did you pray today? Did you read your word? Did you brush your teeth? Because your breast stank. <laughs> anyway. And we, we have the pushy people. And we, we don't want to be that guy. We don't, don't want to be that lady at work. Pushing, 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 pushing. And, and then the fourth reason why we don't really talk with anyone is we are complacent. Some of us have gotten to a place where like, man, we're good. Us four and no more are saved. And, you know, I, I'm just, I'm good. I'm waiting on that good old day when Jesus comes back. I, I, I'm good. My, my, my church is good. I, I, I really don't feel like I need to venture out and, and do that. It's not my personality. I'm an introvert and I don't really talk to people. And so I, we, we become complacent, don't we? Am I talking to anybody today? Is it, this is just the things that I've, I've seen in my life. But may I remind you that you don't need a theological degree to share the love of God. So what happened last Sunday, second service, is the 20 people who got baptized, they preached the message, and they didn't know it. People have asked me, man, you know, your baptisms, they're getting you know, more people. You should probably move that after a service and do it that way. No, no, I, I won't, because these people preached the message. I didn't have to preach it. They did. And because they shared their story, and because they shared their story, 23 people came to Christ, second service alone last week. They preached. They preached. So some of you, you just preached your first message right there in the tank, and you didn't even know it. And you were a part of seeing 23 people come to Christ. Isn't that awesome? Isn't that awesome? You don't, you don't need to know all the answers. Man, can you give someone a hug? Man, can you embrace somebody who's going through a divorce? Man, can you just say a quick prayer? It don't have to be anything, you know, big words. Hey, God help them. They're hurting. Amen. I mean, we can all do that. Can you buy someone a meal? Can you sow some seeds into people? You never know what harvest may come from the seeds that you sow today. There could be a future harvest. The Bible says one sows the seed, one waters the seed, but God brings the harvest. God brings the increase. And so those seeds of love, those seeds uh, of encouragement, they go a long way. 
you know? And so, so, so most of the time, we're, we're going to find ourselves seeing lives change because of us due to the relationships that we have with other people that are far from God. Now, there are exceptions to the rules when the Holy Spirit prompts you if you're somewhere and the Holy Spirit tells you to say this word to somebody. I'm, I, I'm not saying not do that. Do that, right? If you're somewhere and the Lord tells you to buy somebody something, you know, we were at a grocery store a few weeks ago and we're, we're pulling the cart around and I, I go to the grocery store with my wife because she hates doing grocery shopping and hates putting it away. Just saying, guys, whatever your wife doesn't like to do, start doing it. You know, she'll bless you later. Anyway. <laughs> and so we go grocery shopping together and we speed grocery shop and we get it knocked out quick. She hates it. Put it on the car and then put it in the shell, the pantry and all that. So I just, you know, I help her out on that. And, and so we're grocery shopping. I go by a, a young lady, maybe 19, 20, and she's got a baby on, just kind of strapped on and she's got her calculator out. She's putting the bananas in and she's writing them in. She's obviously on a fixed budget and she's gets a cereal puts it in and i'm going by and the holy spirit says pay for her groceries and i go i bind you satan (laughs) i know you've never done this but pray for your pastor for the next 15 minutes i argued with the holy spirit on this I didn't tell Tara. She goes to one end of the grocery. I go to the other. I have my list. I'm, we're, grabbing, we're speed grocery shopping. We're getting it done. And so 15 minutes later, I go up to the register. Guess who's in front of me? I looked at my wife. I said, I can't shake this. The Holy Spirit told me to pay for this lady's groceries. And she said, well, you better do it. And she hands me the debit card. And what I did is I walked up to this lady, young lady, and the cashier's ringing it up, and she rings up the last item. She says the amount. I stepped in, and I slide, the lady's grabbing for her card. I stepped in, and I slid the card before she even knew it. And she looked at me like this, like a deer in headlights. And I said, God wanted me to tell you that he loves you. And she looked at me with tears in her eyes with that baby on her back, and she said, praise the Lord. Yeah. Praise the Lord. Now... Now, that's my story. What's your story? You should have stories like that every week. I'm not saying you got to pay for somebody, but what about a coffee, an 89 cent coffee at Speedway? I don't know. What about paying for somebody's gas? Small seeds go a long way. Small seeds go a long way. We, went, we were packing up our, our groceries, and my wife and I just started crying because we said, man, there were times when people helped us with groceries. I don't know if you've ever been there. There are times we couldn't pay our bills and somebody helped us. Somebody at church gave me that Pentecostal $100 handshake. You don't know what that is? Well, hope you encounter it one day. And that was the money we needed to pay for those groceries. And we sat there and weeped. And I said, my God, there's not a greater feeling or sense of fulfillment than being able to help somebody else out. No money in the world. No money in the world. So... So we can share our faith. You may be saying, where do I start? Where do I start? I don't have money to buy somebody's groceries, but you can start somewhere. Where do I start? And I want to give you three, three things on how you can share your faith. Number one, you can use what you have. You can use what you have. And in fact, the very first way we see the gospel spread is by an unlikely candidate 
named Levi, also known as Matthew, also known as one of the 12, the 12 dream teamers that Jesus picked. Matthew was a tax collector. We talked about the tax collector, the reputation last week, grabbed the message. And it was just a look, look, very evil, looked down upon occupation. And, and here's Matthew, and Jesus comes by and says, I'm about to change your name. You're Levi, because back then your name meant everything. It's like what family you came from, what area you came from. And so he, he was a tax collector. He changed it to Levi. But then Jesus said, hey, you, Matthew, you want to mine now. And his life was changed within a moment. He went from robbing people, ripping people off, being despised by everyone in the community. He was rich. He was wealthy. He had the Ferrari. Come on now. He had the house with the pool. Come on. He had the grill, like the grill with three tanks, not your broke down one tank that doesn't light every other time. So what Matthew do? He did what he, o- he only knew what to do. And Matthew knew how to throw parties. So Matthew's life is changed by Jesus, and he said, I'm just going to use what I have. I don't know what else to do, and I know a lot of sinners. (laughs) I know a lot of notorious sinners, and I know a lot of people far from God, and I'm going to invite Jesus to the party, and I'm going to let Jesus conversate with them, and I'm going to fire up the grill, and I'm going to put the filet mignon and the shrimp on. Come on, somebody. I'm going to turn up the music. I'm going to get a DJ, you know, DJ, why not on the ones and twos? And, and we're going to have a party and I'm going to have Jesus there. And I'm going to tell them how Jesus has changed my life. That's what he did. Look at it. It's right here. I'm not making it up. Luke chapter five, verse 29. Then Levi had a great banquet or party for Jesus at his house in a large crowd. Someone say large of tax collectors and others were eating with him. But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law who belonged to their sect complained to his disciples, why do you eat and drink with tax collectors and sinners? (laughs) Jesus answered them, it is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick, dummy. I added that part. I have not come to call righteous, but sinners to repentance. All Matthew knew were people that were far from God. All Matthew knew what to do is throw a party. So he used what he had to reach people who were far from God. What do you have right now? What is it? I don't know what you have. What is your hobbies? What is your sports? Maybe you could use that to reach people who are far from God. Maybe you love to work out. Maybe you like basketball. Maybe you like crocheting. Come on, somebody. Maybe you like painting pictures. I don't know. Maybe you like art. Maybe you like working on cars. Maybe you like farming. I don't know what you like, but whatever you like, you can use it to reach people. You can use it to start conversations that are full of grace and seasoned with salt. Come on, somebody. You can do it. No, 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 no. Make sure this. Make sure this. When you use what you have to reach people who are far from God, make sure that you're doing the one influencing and they're not the ones influencing you. Don't come to me and say, I'm called to go back to the hip hugger and minister to them. No, you're not. Church people are crazy. I'm called to go back to those. Le- no, you're not. Someone else is, but it ain't you. Said your wife. Said your wife. Well, I'm called back to the honky tonk. Well, you better be careful. You better be careful. Okay. Because I've seen a lot of people. I'm, I'm going back to them. And then what happens? They gone. 
Because what happens is they influence them and the opposite didn't happen. So you got to be careful. Okay. You got to know who you are. You got to know your weaknesses and your strengths. Right. But you can use what you have. You could, you could have people over to your house, maybe a few families from the church, and maybe you got that one coworker and him and his wife come over that are far from God, and then they interact with, with you and other families from the church, and they see, man, Christians aren't weird. <laughs> they don't just get in a circle and sing kumbaya and pray and fast the whole time. Like, we had fun. We laughed. We had a great time. We ate a great meal. And, man, they're not as weird as I thought they were. I don't know. We all like to eat. I just think food is a great spot to start with. And everyone can do that, right? Food's so important to Jesus that he said, I multiply it wherever I go. (laughs) That was free. Everybody has something they can use to reach people who are far from Christ. God can use you as you use what you have to reach people. Did you hear this? He can use you. Number two. The worship team's coming to tell me it's time to land the plane. And then Josiah's going to play on the keyboard and make me sound real spiritual in a minute. Number two, you can invite someone to church. You invite someone to church. We see this in John chapter four, a powerful story about a woman who had experienced a lot of hurts. I referenced it earlier. She's at the well and Jesus is offering her living water and her void, you know, her thirsty spirit and soul is quenched. You talk about Gatorade ain't got nothing on the ultimate thirst quencher, Jesus. When you partake of the living water, man, you never be thirsty again. You never. This woman is so radically changed that John chapter four, verse 28, she says, then leaving her water jar, the woman went back to the town and said to the people, come and see, come and see this man who changed me. Could this be the Messiah? Verse 30, they came out of the town and they made their way toward him. Come and see. Come and see. Come and see. Every time you take this invite card, you're simply handing it to people and telling them, come and see. Come and see. Come and see what God is doing. Come and see how he he can change your life. He changed mine. Come and see. Every person in here can invite somebody to church. Every person, no matter if you just got saved or you've been coming 30, 40 years, it doesn't matter. Every person can invite somebody to church, and that's what this lady did. Notice she didn't have any scripture memorized. Notice that she didn't have a a Bible college degree. Notice she hadn't been in church, but yet she started inviting people to church. Wow. Because she had one encounter, one encounter with the living water that changed everything. And can I tell you, when you have one encounter with Jesus, it changes everything in your life. And you can't help but to tell people, come and see of a man who changed my life. Come and see. Come and see. All who are thirsty, come and see. Pull up a table. Pull up a seat at the table and drink some living water. I love this. I love this because just like this woman who had a very hard life, made a lot of wrong choices that caused her deep pain, just like this woman, we also see people within our lives that are hurting the same. People we work with, people that are in our family, people that are on our street. People that we encounter at the gym, people we encounter at the restaurant. 
are like this woman and life hasn't turned out right. They've been broken and broken. One relationship after another. Their heart's in a million pieces. But one encounter, one conversation with Jesus who was full of grace and seasoned with salt changed everything for her. She couldn't help. She couldn't help to tell everybody about the man from Galilee. Could this be the Messiah, she said? This this could be him. I, I need everyone in the town to come and see this guy. Come and see this guy. Every time you hand these out, you're telling people, come and see. Come and meet a man. It's not me, it's him. It's him. You're experiencing the presence of God. Some of you don't even know it. When you step foot on this property, the presence of God meets you right where you're at. Some of you, it's during worship. You're overwhelmed with emotions and you cry. That's the presence of God. Some of you, it's right now you feel the presence of God. Come and see him. Come and see him. I'm not as important. He's he's more important. He's the reason we're here. He's the reason this church exists. Come and see him. He'll change your life. And so we can use what we have to reach people. And all of us can invite somebody to church. And number three, as I land the plane, as he makes me sound so spiritual right now, you can share your story. 20 life change stories were shared last week. 20 stories. And let me tell you what, no one walked away from this place saying, ah, that really didn't happen. Ah, I like to argue with them about their story. No, no, no. You can't argue with somebody's story. It's their story. We can argue doctrine. We can argue scripture. We can argue on if the lights should be that bright. We could argue if the coffee's too strong or too weak. We can argue if the temperature's right or not. We can argue in the parking. We can do that, but you can't argue with someone's story. Can't do it. You have a story to tell, a story of redemption. Well, I just feel like I'm not where I, where I need to be, but you're not where you used to be. Stop being so hard on yourself. You're doing better than you think. You're here. You're here. You're in God's house. The devil tried to keep you from here. He does every weekend, but you're here. You're in the presence of God. You're on that potter's wheel and he's molding you and shaping you. Don't, get, don't beat yourself up so much. You're doing better than you think. You're here. You're on the potter's wheel and he's molding you and shaping you. He's taking out the perfection, imperfections of your life. He's doing it. Keep showing up. Hit your neighbor and say, keep showing up. Keep showing up when you feel like it and when you don't feel like it because there's going to be some Sundays you don't feel like it. You don't feel worthy. You don't feel worthy. You don't feel like you'll be accepted. You you, you don't feel like if I'm in the church, it's going to burn down (laughs) after the week I had. You're, You're going to have these thoughts. You're going to have it. Keep showing up. Don't stop showing up. Keep showing up. Keep showing up. Keep showing up. Keep showing up. Your story is being written. Your story is being written. Don't disqualify the book of your life because you had one bad chapter. You had one bad chapter. You got a lot of other chapters to go, honey. Don't you disqualify your life because of one bad chapter. Keep showing up. Keep showing up. Your story's being written. Your story's being written. Your story's being written. You can share your story. 
to share your story and tell people, the same Jesus that transformed my life can change yours. This is how we become a friend of sinners. We do what Paul said. We have conversations with people. We don't become like the Pharisees and Sadducees of our days and look down our religious nose at people because they're at a different spiritual level than us, because they got more baggage than us. No, we we sit down at the well and we have a conversation with the broken woman, the broken man, the broken marriage, the broken young person, and we talk to them and our words have grace attached to them. And when we feel like not given grace, we say, get the salt shaker out and put a little salt on it because God believes in you and I believe in you and he wants to mend and restore your life. Stand with me today. Hey, thanks for listening today. And maybe you're out there and maybe you feel far from God today. Maybe life has thrown you a curveball. You've taken some wrong turns. You've messed up. I'm here to tell you about God's love for your life. You know, it's real and it's for you. And, and no matter what you've done, no matter where you've gone, God is there. His love is unconditional. And and the Bible says that if you just confess with your mouth, believe in your heart, you're saved. And I'm going to lead you through a prayer. And I just believe that if you say this prayer and mean it with your heart, the Bible says you're saved. And I want to encourage you to tell somebody about this decision. But just wherever you're at, just say, God, I ask you to forgive me of my sins. Come into my life. Change me. Jesus name. It's simple as that. And uh, I encourage you find a good local church. If, if you can get to fuel church, get here. God is moving. God is doing some great things in the lives and families of the people that come here, but find a good church where you can grow in God until next time. God bless you. Have a great week.